Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to episode two of the Lost Remote Podcast. Yes, we have kept our attention long enough to record a second episode. We thank you for joining us. I am Arthur. I'm Zach. And I am Brian. We're here to talk to you today about the movie Hellraiser, which I believe is a first-time watch for one of our contributors here. Uh, it's not a first-time watch. It's a first-time in 20-plus years watch. Ah, uh, that's right. Close enough. I didn't remember much about it. And Brian, where, how, about how many times do you think you've watched it? Um, out of all the Hellraisers, it's the one I've watched the least. Um, but um, I've probably watched it seven, seven times, roundabout. Sure. So Hellraiser... Of course, Clive Barker directed. Uh, it's his first movie directing, too. I always think about the first time that I, you know, tried something, you know, like your first time playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers, your first time trying to swing a bat, and just like how inept, how new things are, how many little pitfalls there are. And just to come out of the, you know, right out of the box with one of the more iconic uh, horror movies, one certainly with some spots to improve, but legendary character uh, in pinhead and just you know an ominous name just quite a quite a debut effort uh, yeah uh, i'm gonna have to disagree with you pinhead's not in this movie his name is lead cinnabite lead <laughs> cinnabite <laughs> and i think they said you know that was just the nickname <clears throat> for him on the set and I, what is it like the priest or something like that but i mean yeah it's pinhead <laughs> yeah i mean everybody once you see the character you know who it is yeah um, yeah, so that, what, what's your first interaction with this movie? Was it one you saw without knowing anything about it? Was it one you saw the cover, the poster and you said, ah, what, how, how did you get introduced to this movie? Brian, go first, bud. All right. Uh, well, I think, um, it, I believe it was just some late night watching of, you know, one of those cable, I think it was a TMC at the time. And, uh, yeah, just a random catch, really. And, uh, yeah. That's uh, the first introduction. The first time I came across it was uh, something similar. And this was um, back in the mid-90s, probably. It might have been 10, 11, 12 at the time. Uh, you know, middle school aged. And uh, I was, I'm was i a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And so I... I'd always talk about how great I love, you know, how much I love them, how great they are. And a couple kids at school were just, hey, you should watch Pinhead. You should see Hellraiser. It's great. It's great. So I went home and watched it, and I I didn't like it. I it, it, At the time, it just maybe because it was pitted against my favorite horror movie, and I was just like, nah, this isn't for me. But, you know, at the, initially, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. it it's okay, but I just didn't like the pacing of it. I didn't like how almost everything took place in the one room. And it just I, at the time, I didn't feel it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things is it is a low-budget movie. Uh, they certainly pull uh, far more iconic imagery. You know, I, I think when you're working in a box, sometimes you can come up with some stuff. But the first time I saw it uh, was part of the joe bob briggs return marathon back in 2018 and i had that same like 
I did not expect to still be here in this apartment, you know, <laughs> like where you're just like, where is this going? And it's one of those movies. There's movies like that where I think you have to know where it's going to be able to pick up more on it the next time. Because earlier this year, I saw Hellraiser 2 and I was like, man, I need to go back and check that out again. And I liked it a lot more, um, you know, and now we're working on the third time for me uh, just the other week. And when you know you're, it's going to be a bottle episode, I think it's a lot easier to deal with. Uh, but, you know, when, you gr- when you're growing up and you're like, oh, this pinhead dude, I got to see him. You're expecting like that level of like that Kruger interaction or that Jason interaction of this guy's going to be around all the time in this movie. But it's literally like that last, what, like 10 minutes where he pops in or maybe the last 20 or something. It's pretty t- close towards the end. He's not part of much of it. Uh, yeah, he's in the first, I think, couple minutes when they first go into the um, sure when he first Frank. opens the box. He's the one that closes. Yeah, when Frank opens the box, we'll use some pronouns here. Uh, <laughs> but when Frank <laughs> opens the box, we'll uh, and he's the one that actually closes it after they uh, after they destroy Frank. Yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot. Like, yeah, you get that there he was, and then it's family drama. You know, bloody goopy guy. Family goopy guy. Family drama. <laughs> you know, it takes a while to get back to it, and that's who you know. There's definitely a thing of 80s horror especially where the box isn't exactly what you're getting uh that's kind of a hellraiser in joke if you think about it but all in all i think this movie gets better when you know where it's going i think it's a better on a second watch type of film yeah i think um what really it what brings me into the movie when i'm watching it is the emergence of Frank from the goop pool, if you will. Like, I thought that was... Mm, I loved I loved that whole scene. Just, I was like... And to, I didn't know this. This was his first directing uh, uh, job. I, I thought that was very well done. And uh, the end, when he's lifting himself up on his hands and screaming in his weird way i just thought wow that looks great i thought it was great (laughs) yeah no there's a lot of they get a lot of mileage out of it um and you know the frank julia stuff like i i find myself walking around the house all day and even when we're like firing up this i i like to just in that voice be like julia i keep saying that just walking around (laughs) everywhere julia come to me Love is blind in this movie, for sure. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I I don't get the relationship between Larry and Julia. I know they're married, but if she's so hung up on Frank and seems to have been when you watch the film, that why would she still marry Larry? And, and she's just maybe that security, I guess, because Frank seems to be, you know, Definitely. obviously a unstable guy and you don't know he's going to be around yeah she wasn't into the tomb raider guy i guess but yeah the person she has nothing in common with was the way to go i I don't know we don't know how long they've been married we don't know if maybe the kid was a reason they got married or just she didn't realize she was into like i don't know did she know frank before the Uh, the wedding um, day or did he show up just she yeah. met Frank for the first time when he was arriving for the wedding. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. So like maybe it's just all of a sudden she's swept up with that 
fractual oh, energy. You know? Yeah. yeah. You and maybe tell. the danger aspect that he brings in when he pulls yep. the knife on her and puts it up to her, you know, and up to her, uh, her clothes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. I don't. She was looking for adventure and, uh, she's one of those women I would, uh, assume had been not interacting with many dangerous men and found it rather exciting. Yeah, that's I, it. The, so the one thing that, uh, I noticed on this is I just kept expecting her to summon her demon dogs and sick them on people because she had the same gozer haircut. <laughs> it just cracked me up. <laughs> but yeah, she, she was, uh, you know, she's a demigod and uh, she went after Frank and got to meet the demons or the angels, depending how you look at it. So what do we think about Kirsty's relationship here? Like, how's how's her life going during this movie? It doesn't seem to be going well as she sees her death, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, like, she obviously is a kid who hasn't gotten on her own two feet quite yet. I don't know why... They don't really go into that a great deal. Maybe it was her mother's death that affected her greatly. But who knows? She just didn't seem to be getting um, on with it. Well, I think she's supposed to be like either a college student or just a recent college graduate throughout of it. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, she moved to the same town that they moved back to to, uh, you know, stay close but she she had to stay close to dad but she didn't want to live with dad she wanted that sense of independence whether i think she i mean even though she probably really wasn't going to be independent obviously she moved that close to her her family yeah um what brian you've seen hellraiser 2 uh yes more than (laughs) i have uh i saw it once and mildly (laughs) under the effects of whatever drinks were going on that day because it was early on in lockdown time. Uh-huh. Uh, was there a payoff to the cricket guy? Because I know he shows up at the end of this. Do we get more from Cricket Eater throughout this series, or was he just like a weird toss-in? He's um, a bit of a weird toss-in. You know, I, like, I, I don't know much about the actual lore because there's, there's comic books of this stuff. Um, I I haven't gone deep into it um but uh yeah you don't see him ever again i don't believe okay but it's an indicator that there are forces at work that do not require the box well see i think that he's the keeper of the box to be honest with you i think it's kind of a he's the the guy that frank buys the box from at the beginning of the film and i think he's still the same guy that sells it to the guy at the end of the film. I think he's he actually watches over and kind of keeps track of where the box is at all times and kind of can pass it from person to person to keep ensuring that the Cenobites get another. I know, another honestly thought it was like Frank wearing like a skin and it was out just like hanging out, like creeping on Kirsty. Uh, the first time I saw it, <laughs> I thought he was just wearing like a not so subtle costume. <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, I, Okay, so let's go around and just, it sounds like we're all 
kind of where this movie sits is yes, it's iconic. Yes, it's flawed. But like, if you could add one thing to it, what would you add, Zach? Um, yeah, I might actually pick up the pacing a little bit whenever uh, Frank's trying to take his skin back and probably include more of the Cenobites going, uh, being involved in it more than just, uh, you know, at the very beginning and then the last 30 minutes of the film. Because that pacing between, and I get what they're saying, and I, I know what they're trying to show is her, is Julia's, uh, guess, loosening morality. Like, she didn't want to kill the first guy that she did, but she killed him just so Frank could, could live on. And then, you know, a little bit later, she just doesn't have a problem just knocking people off. But so I think the pacing, if it picked up a little bit with uh, maybe more of a, you know, just just a little bit quicker pacing on it, I think would make it a more effective movie. I would add um, a scene of Julia in the box at the uh, end of the film because we don't see what happens with Julia after the stabbing, but we do see her later with the box in hand in a bed. I I agree with that actually too, Brian, because it, it'd be nice to know how, like, you assume that the Cenobites are the ones that gave it, but would they have given her the box at that time? You know what I mean? Like, how did she get the box and how was she on the bed? Uh, like you yeah, exactly. There, there's many questions. I would just assume, I, I make the assumption she was in her death throes and desperate, and the box was lying about. You know, and that's one of those things that comes down to, I'm sure they didn't think they had another one coming, or nothing's really assumed, and then mm -hmm. kind of figure away on a sequel. Yeah. Uh, for me, I would add... <laughs> I would, when you talk about speeding things up, <laughs> I, I think you could do like an 1812 uh, overture uh, montage of the hammer hits. I've just heard like bringing Johns to the house and just, da -da 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 -da, hammer hit, da -da 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 -da. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just like going nuts and teeing off because that got to be just like a funny shtick, like almost like a Roadrunner type thing yeah. of her just bringing people home and hammering it in and, you know, Frank just chilling there. And, oh, man, like, that part gets funnier. Like, it's the Beetlejuice thing. And it gets funnier mm -hmm. every time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Not to mention cool. the fact you're talking to a dead guy. Um, yeah. and <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, just I think that um, the the pacing on it. But, I mean, granted, I it was low budget when it came out. There's when it was uh, it. it achieved its goal, I think, to launch a series. I mean, in all honesty, because you kind of are intrigued about more of what the hell is going on in this other world. You know, literally, you don't want to see more, I think, of the other world. I just think that the, this movie does tend to be a great jumping-off point for a series, because to me, I just wanted to see more about the Cenobites world and, and to see more of the, uh, you know, the the Hellraisers or Pinhead and his his cronies, and I was more curious about like, what are they from? Where are they from? What kind of world? What what actual pleasure and pain are they dishing out to people? Is it just ripping people up and giving them so much pain that there's <laughs> pleasure from it, or is there actually a, a trade off? I mean, pieces of paper going through the shredder must be the happiest things in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah. wept, and your copies are clean. <laughs> the uh, concept of pleasure on the Cenobite's end is definitely a uh, subjective matter. 
<laughs> hey man, they're they're angels to some, demons to others. Do you love this on your nipple? Well, if it was attached to me, it'd be great. Like, <laughs> can it go through the nipple? That's what I want. Yeah. I, for me, I mean, just the effects and design on the actual, on all the body horror and on on the Cenobites and stuff like that. I mean, just absolutely blows you away you know like there's some really cool design here some really just sticks with you uh visuals you know that you can't you don't get a lot of times with movies these days you know because you go cg and you go stuff like that and i'm not here to poo poo every use of everything but like it's just they're so good you know what's the one dude is he the hound or whatever like you just look at that you like you just feel what's going on in his teeth you know like Chatterbox? Yeah, Chatterbox, chat- yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? What's your kind of thing to take away from Hellraiser, favorite part of it? Well, I, I have to agree that the uh, design and the iconic look of everything is what carries the film. Yeah. Gotta say. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you don't get a lot of answers for just about anything where they're from exactly but you know that's somewhat of the mystique of it it's more of a what's what's crazy about it and but you do get more in the second um you know i kind of get a when we talk about like how this movie starts off and where you're like i'm definitely hungry for more and that's that's a good thing. There's movies, plenty of movies I walked out of that have sequels, and I'm like, you know, no, I'm I'm good. But it reminds me a lot, not theme-wise or anything like that, but of that first Purge movie. You know, you hear the concept of the Purge. Awesome. All crimes legal. Like, this is going to be nuts. You see the mass. You see all this stuff. And then you're in the house all night. And I enjoy that movie. But at the same time, there's like, what all, What else is going on out there? What is this world? What's what's happening? And I think you get that same kind of effect. And and that's a good way to launch a series. But it also, you know, hypothetically, maybe no one, there's not enough attention to go to the next one. And just luckily this thing just blew up. Yeah, that I, I agree with you there. Because, I mean, maybe you didn't give enough where to, to pique the interest and the series just dies. But this didn't happen. It didn't happen in this. I mean, they've made nine <laughs> more of them. or. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I think they're rebooting it now, so I think that uh, I mean there's definitely some room to go around. And so uh, one of the big f- flaws I had, like, and I like I talked we talked earlier about how Julia, you see your morality slipping, but like so she's with uh, Larry, and they're in bed, and you know it's right before he freaks out, like you. Yeah you know, what's wrong with you and all that. And, but Frank's in the closet and he pulls the knife out. Like he's going to kill him. She's no, 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 no. You know, she doesn't want anything to happen to Larry. But then literally the next day in the movie, well, the daughter saw us. So kill him. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone. It's, I mean, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of puzzles to undo with that relationship, I guess. Yeah. Oh my. Ah, i yeah, yeah, he should be. Yeah. <laughs> so there's right. a big... But I think I think too that the reason why it, she you know went so quick to let's kill Larry is because of the fact that it's it's exposed. It's 
you know, I think part of her, why she was still also really attracted to Frank is it was, it was forbidden, you know, it's, it's, uh, an unnatural relationship. I mean, he's a dead guy. And now that the, it's out there and it's, it's going to yeah, head her on. There's that, no turning back. She's in. Yeah. Well, and she, do, and she also doesn't know if she can kill Frank. I mean, cause she, she meets him and he can't even stand up and he has no skin or muscles or anything else. So he has no skin. So he has fun. Um, <laughs> Brian. Yeah. Got a tasty treat for us. All right. Well, this film does not actually have that many, um, but uh, you you gather that this is more than likely the childhood home of both Larry and Frank, obviously. Um, this was their mother's house. They're also from the area, and Julia may be from the area as well, but they moved to Brooklyn for some undisclosed amount of time and then have returned to the area. Um, she didn't care. She apparently liked it anywhere. I guess that would have been a Frank issue. Um, but, uh, yeah. And uh, possibly the mother was uh, highly religious. Either that or Frank put some of the religious icon iconography around the house. Hey, so speaking of getting to the house, how did Frank get to the house? Get did, to the house? Yeah. How did he go from being uh, just ripped apart to sliming around? He, his, he, he died ripped apart. He, he died in the house. Around. Oh, that's where he brought the cube and und like yeah. I, he'd been hiding out in that house. Okay. See, I thought when he got it, the way it's shot, I thought it was like in some foreign lands where he was undoing the puzzle box and somehow he was able to get back there. Uh, that's on me. He managed <laughs> to make it overseas. Well, I didn't back. know if maybe he no, poured he, it out of something. Yeah, you know, no, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, um, I, I'm yeah. surprised. It, it, it seems like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this box and fly or sail home to mom's house <laughs> and and do it in the attic secret pleasure box taking well, it home to mom he was he was obviously close to some diner or you know something close to where he was from because he paid it all uh, american cash so is that a cash deal yeah, yeah where he bought the box and it felt like again Double it feels stack. like an like an istanbul or like a you know just like some foreign lands you know i just I always got the idea. It was like at a bazaar or something. Um, he bought it from so, the same guy that sold uh, um, the gizmo. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mogwai comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Now, did this movie make you afraid of Rubik's cubes or anything like that as a kid? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering if puzzle boxes are, you know, a trigger or something after this. I, I think yeah. I think the good trade-off here is. Uh, you really have to seek this horror out. So if you don't go looking, there's not going to be any trouble. Don't start none, won't be none. Um, but if you start some, it's definitely going to get you. There is essentially no escape. Was Kirsty looking for trouble though when she was dealing when she found the box? I think she's been dragged in. Yeah, yeah. she she yeah. might have been compelled by um, because obviously there are forces of good and evil at work in the film but we only see really the uh evil at work but she could have been compelled by forces of good by uh some sort of 
whatever to open the box and that's when she realizes she has a means to deal with them no don't do that yep that's the best line in the whole movie <laughs> oh i stole it from you i'm sorry oh man it's okay do not we, do that we were talking before the episode started and zach was like oh, i've got a uh one of my top lines here and i'm like all right well wait to tell me zach just go ahead and just repeat it one more time like it's not just do not up. do that <laughs> there's just something so weird with the way he delivered mm. it oh <laughs> i loved oh. it i was like oh that's that's a top killing line right there uh <laughs> No, and see, I don't think that Christy actually opened the box. Like, because when it opens, I think she was more looking at it, and it just kind of opened for her, as because maybe the box knows that it needs to get Frank back into the Cenobites for them to control him or take or kill him or whatever. Ugh, that's iffy. Yeah, I, I mean, it me. just. I uh, I feel like um. You get this in other movies, but a great deal of opening the pl- the uh, box, the uh, lament configuration for uh, the uh, hardcore fans who might happen to find this. Um, a lot of it has to do with actual intent. So part of the puzzle is your own soul and mind, not just physically opening it with your hands. Because a lot of the movements that people do aren't—they're not actually doing anything. It's a—it's—it's it's like reaching out with your mind to open the box rather than solving a physical puzzle. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. So, yep. And the Cenobites can tell the difference. If someone is tricked into opening the box, they know the difference. So they actually will be like, "No, you're not who we're after. Someone else." Wants this open. Julia. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> All day long, man, walking around my house. It just, it's there. <laughs> I don't know why it's stuck with me, but it is. Uh, let's move on to our rankings. Uh, All right. So, right now, just to uh, backfill on people who may have started with episode two, and if you have, welcome. There are dozens of us. Uh, we are keeping a running t- tally of the movies we watch on here and ranking them just from those. So right now, Poltergeist, greatest movie of all time, undisputed. And now we have to figure out where does Hellraiser rank on our greatest movies of all time? Zach, from your list, Hellraiser or Poltergeist? Oh, Poltergeist is so much better than the first Hellraiser. Anything That's you want it. to add to that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just like I said, I like the I like the pacing and the story of the Poltergeist movie a lot more than I like the pacing and the story of this. I mean, I this is fun. I, I did not like it, like I said, when I was a kid and rewatching it, and I rewatched it with as open a mind as I could possibly have. And I I like the movie. It's just it's a little slow for me. So sure, sir, Brian. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say out of the two. Uh, Poltergeist is probably something I'll tend to watch more often, obviously. Um, it's just... And that's... Th- it's it, it's hard for me because I do like Hellraiser, but if I were to be given the choice between, hey, we're going to watch either Hellraiser or Poltergeist, I'll vote Poltergeist every time. Yeah, I'm moderately torn. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I've watched it twice this year. And on Poltergeist, that was my first time. I think I need a second watch in there. I think n- no doubt Poltergeist is a better movie. Like it's got more stuff and there's more stuff going on. But when I think about which I'm intrigued to watch again, Hellraiser's there. There's like these little itches that are like, what wait, what was that part again? What did I miss here? And that doesn't mean it's a better movie, but that's where it gets into the how do I rank it? What do I want to see or what is better? And I think I'm going to give in the peer pressure this week and go with the which one's better, but that's not always going to be the way I pick it. Like there's going to be some, well, I would just definitely rather watch this movie any day of the week. No, I'm, uh, I'm with you. Um, like it's this this was not a which one's better to me this was which one i i because i know both movies and I, i'm like i i i find poltergeist more entertaining personally even yeah. though my horror movie trends of liking things i would i usually go with uh types of hellraiser movies rather than uh poltergeist Sure, and again, nothing can be taken away from the legacy that it spun out, and there's oh. awesome stuff in there. Like it just, on the basis of this movie only, it's it's not the greatest of all, movie of all time that we've reviewed. Um, it, right now, that's and, Poltergeist, and Hellraiser's <laughs> not the greatest movie in its series, and yeah, Poltergeist but... One is the greatest movie in its series. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Poltergeist is still the undisputed champion of the Lost. A remote podcast. <laughs> Smooth. You want to try that again? Nope. <laughs> Probably la- Keep it. I'll, Keep I'll laugh like it. it again. Okay, double features. Brian, what are you showing with Hellraiser? Uh, I would do Hellraiser first and then Pumpkinhead second. That is a nice pick. I need to give Pumpkinhead a second viewing. Uh, to me, that felt like another one of those, like, I want this creature. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on. It's like great oh, yeah. Lance Henriksen, you know, a lot of atmosphere and stuff. But I didn't get what I always imagined looking at the post, like at the video store box and stuff like that. <laughs> I wanted more that. I mean, it's an insane looking creature, but I need to give that another watch. So that's a good call. Zach, what are you thinking? Oh, man, I could go two different ways with this. Like, um, I could go something that's uh, kind of a fun war movie to me. I uh, Incarnate. Have you all seen Incarnate? I have not. No, I don't think so. Maybe I have. It's just I didn't catch the title. That happens a lot for me. Yeah, it's with Aaron Eckhart. He uh, he jumps into people's uh, dreams to uh, kind of slay demons. To like not slay them, but to uh, cast demons out. Oh, I'll have to check that out. People. It, and that, or uh, but that's probably where I'd lean actually with the, is with incarnate because I just like it with the whole you know the hell creatures and demons. So last last on our last episode with uh, Poltergeist, did we have someone do the Poltergeist one, Poltergeist two as their double feature? Yeah, it was me. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pull that card here mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's just so much, and I and I Brian, I'm guessing you would want to do that but you were <laughs> trying to leave that door uh, open. yeah because because i i totally understand why you'd say that because it's perfect the two films may as well be one yeah 
especially at the beginning of the second one because it has all the highlights for the first one. Well, that's always my favorite like <laughs> horror movie thing where they're like, oh, it's an 80 minute movie. I mean, 10 minutes of it from the last movie. That's just smart <laughs> budgeting. You know, every Friday the 13th, like at some point you're like, oh, cool. The first act is over. That means we're in the new movie. <laughs> 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 There's a couple of those where they lean pretty hard on the previously on, you know. So yeah, the the lead in, but there's just so much payoff, and I have to watch it. I'm I'm planning on a rewatch very soon, um, like in the next few weeks, uh, because there's just so much expanding on it, oh, and yeah. so much payoff, and like this is going to be a reoccurring thing. But I'm always going to pump that Shutter subscription. The uh, the Joe Bob Briggs episode on Hellraiser two, incredible, because he's got Doug Bradley on there talking about you know what what he thinks drives pinhead and stuff like that and there's no better source and ashley lawrence is on there too and she's incredibly interesting and there's just so much extra insight there uh that's what that's how i would show it i would show that version of the episode so you're getting you know just taking a film school on these but you know yeah. it's it's that it's that payoff of i wanted I wanted more from this. You get more. Like, yeah. There's no turning back at that point. <laughs> you know, just like the movie. Yeah, and I think actually going Hellraiser two for the double feature is probably the perfect pairing because it does work very well with the with the uh, the original. And then, like you said, you get the Joe Bob Ray stuff where there's all kinds of extra goodies and content that are thrown in there for you. It's probably not the inspired pick, and I get that. Like I, I've got some that as we do them, I'll have a better thing but i i also think some of my viewing history like like i've talked about like the i watch the same things more times than i watch new things mm -hmm. um i don't think i know of something else that would you know pair better like it just it feels right uh but it's not always going to be my well i gotta get that sequel going like yeah i understand that hellraiser and critters four that's how we're going yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why four? I, I've that's the joke, son. That's <laughs> yeah. the joke. That is the joke. Uh, are you going to go back to Hellraiser again sometime, Zach, or are you done with this movie? Uh, you know, I uh, I watched the Hellraiser 1 a couple days ago, and I actually watched Hellraiser 2 today. So I probably will be done with the original Hellraiser and just watch Hellraiser 2. Sure. Brian? Oh, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw it at least two more times in my life. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. is like, I feel bad saying it, but it is not the best flick to sit down and watch. Just to be entertained entirely. There's a lot of slow, but there is a payoff at the end. But once you get the payoff at the end... The repeat viewing, it's like, why am I even watching this other stuff? Let me just skip to the third act. Sure. I, li I like some of the, like the, the scores really good and stuff like that. Oh. So I think it works as like some background stuff because the, the voices are so dramatic and things like that. Like I could have this on while cleaning. But yeah, I think, I think probably one more time is in, the, is in the cards unless there's somebody that I'm showing it to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I've watched it twice this year. So who knows? It's... It's one of those ones that's just kind of growing. Uh, yeah. But like you said, the money stuff's able to be seen at the beginning of two anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other bad. thoughts on uh, Hellraiser here from you guys? 
I'm good, man. We can just close the box. Yeah. Hey, another reference. Uh, so Let's what are you? Get what, the hell out of here! No. <laughs> yeah, do stop. not do that. <laughs> no. Do not do that. Uh, what what are what are you watching lately? What's what's anything you've seen recent that you'd throw out a recommendation on? Anything new? So I actually did check out uh, Vampires versus the Bronx, and I would highly recommend that to people. That is a fun, similar kind of throwback to some '80s greatness and Monster Squad, and with a little bit of the Lost Boys into it, and just how they hunt, you know, how they hunt the vampires. It is, it's a fun. It's a fun movie. It's a quick watch. Like I don't know what I don't remember what the runtime is on is it, but it actually has a really good flow that it's. Just, it's I mean, a quick it's right watch. at that sweet like eighty-five minute. I actually watched yeah. it last night. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little throwback. It's it's a good one. That's a good wreck. And uh, yeah, Netflix uh, original that just dropped what last week or so or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, Brian, I'll go with my double feature pick. Go watch Pumpkinhead. If you have not seen Pumpkinhead, go watch it. It's, uh, I mean, it's not a super great movie, obviously, but it's <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's it's also got pretty good visuals on the monster, and uh, yes. the the lore the lore behind it's good. Yeah, okay. go check it out. Yeah, currently I'm not seeing any uh, regular streaming options, but of course available to rent and buy. It looks like it's there's some five dollar sales right now since it's Halloween. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening to this around then, you know, yeah. easy entry. Always support your your horror. Um, I just watched for the second time One Cut of the Dead, a great Japanese movie that came out of nowhere a couple of years ago. It was a student film. Uh, it <laughs> It's a group shooting a zombie film when a zombie outbreak happens. And beyond that, just <laughs> don't look up stuff on it. Just watch it. It's nice. brilliant. Uh, it was, I've been, I, I've got one quarantine buddy like that I think has a good a bubble as I do. And every other week we're trying to do a movie night. And that was what I brought to the table last week. And it was an absolute hit. It's, it's a comedy. It's, it's zombie. It's it's fantastic. One cut of the dead. It's on Shutter. Um, there's a Joe Bob Briggs episode. That's how I do my horror, man. I, I'm I'm gonna be who I'm gonna be. Joe Bob, dude. Driving will never die. So guys, if you do want to check out, we we plug Shutter. Arthur plug Shutter. We uh we will plug that both Hellraiser movies right now are available on Hulu. So if you want Hellraiser one and Hellraiser two is available on Hulu. So if you want to go watch that double feature that Arthur recommended. It's it's worth it. It it, it it's great. Oh. Yeah, always always give them the options and where to look for it. You know, I know there's an app you can get called Just Watch, but sometimes people just got to be told. And if you're one of our listeners, we'll we'll help you find it if we can. Uh, speaking of ways to contact us or have us help you find it, uh, we are on Twitter at Lost Remote Pod. We now have a Gmail account, Lost Remote Pod at gmail.com. We're working out <laughs> our stuff here. Hey, and we have a Facebook fan page, right? Yes, we have a Facebook page at the Lost Remote Pod. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sticking with up, the, uh, uh, the short name because we could grab that one. <laughs> that's right. So uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments or feedback, you know, listen to it. Hit us up. Let us know. Uh, we'll read whatever you send us. So if we're good, oh, that's we cool. If we're bad, that's cool. We definitely have time for listener mail. 
<laughs> no, but all seven of you. <laughs> we 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 would love to get your feedback. We would love to make this better and uh, make something that you want to tune into. Uh, Brian, you want to take us home? Get anything for the people out there? All right, folks. Uh, goodbye and burn in hell. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> Do not say that. that. Thank you.